Hey everybody, it's uh your old pals. You you know us. I think. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. And someone else is here. I am a security officer, and I've had enough of this. If we were guilty, we wouldn't even be here right now. Oh no, thanks for popping in on our Picard re- unrelated to you <laughs> Picard <laughs> podcast. Uh so much this is the Soto. wrap up of season two that we did uh again i don't know how your response is going to be to the to the to the first episode we did but i thought i would give you a taste of how we sort of wrapped up the second season as we head now into the third season of picard the third and final season as it keeps saying on all the trailers they're saying which final season i am as usually our personalities break down i am uh, very optimistic, obviously, about the return of the TNG crew. I'm and very, I'm as as optimistic as you are. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I have hope that it's going to be fantastic. Every, every, every second of on screen dialogue that I've seen from our seven cast members in TNG has been fantastic. I've I've loved seeing all of them. Uh huh. So, oh, okay. I'm excited about that. So that's more that's more optimistic than the last time we talked about it because I, you tend to always. We, I think generally we speak this way, and I think if you hear the ep- episode by episode of every, uh, really every Star Trek show, I'm always like, well, they're not going to go here, or they're going to solve this, or they're going to. And you're always almost inevitably like, no, they're not. You're you well, are. I I'm mean, always. I'm always I've the optimist, and you're. Yeah. I've been, been through, through the same amount of new Trek as you, which is why I cannot get over the fact that you still expect right. plots to resolve, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, I guess I think, I just always think there's so much money and effort riding on these things that it it's yeah. always shocking to me that, that sometime in the writer's room they would sit and block it out. But also, you know, crap happens. You know, you're on a, there's a lot of people giving notes. You're on a rollicking ride where production stuff happens. And then there are also bad choices made sometimes. So who knows what's yeah. what? But anyway, yeah. So season two of Picard, we're gonna we 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 wrapped that up here in this episode. Again, if you wanted to hear the rest of them, I don't know. How do you want to decide that? I don't because they're know, all gonna actually. they're all gonna shout out to me, and then you're gonna claim that I'm sort of looking at the comments and or that the comments are not emblematic of the whole. Should I do a, I mean, a Patreon poll? Which is people who got no, it anyway for people, free. Those are people who already heard it. Yeah. Maybe I'd do a face do. group poll. Why don't you do a Twitter sound? poll? A face oh, group a poll Twitter is good. Poll. Twitter poll or face group poll. I mean, okay. either. So put these, we'll let these sit out there for a week, you know, so people uh-huh. can hear them. Uh-huh. And then you can run the poll. And if you want more, I'll drop them into this feed. If you don't, okay. thanks for participating. And if you are very curious about our thoughts on season three, Great time to join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Reminder, this is my only job right now. So head on in. Listen to me talk about Picard. Uh, while Andy hopes for plot, plot resolutions that may or may not ever come. We'll know. Yeah. We'll know. Well, we won't know until all 10 of these episodes are out. To pray to the anyway. Star Trek gods. Well, I guess there are none. This is what I would like to call. Uh, really a post-traumatic episode. You're going to hear some <laughs> sort of a broken and angry yeah. me. Yeah. Which is, just to be clear, if you're asking for more for them to be released into the main feed, 
that is what you're asking for. Yeah, I mean, it's very you'll, detailed. Of, you'll have you'll have a much more drawn picture of my slow descent into madness. Right, right. So, if you've, I mean, it'll be tough because the people probably who will be requesting it mm-hmm. are the people who aren't necessarily emblematic of all of you know of our diehard listeners. Who will say, "Yeah, give us all of it," because our that's what happened last time. Are in the yeah. Patreon. Yes, but then. The wider fan base, we got a, a lot more flack uh, for our, you know, some would say realistic, some would say sour perspectives. <laughs> oh, on uh, on Picard. Picard, we didn't really talk about it too much on the regular show. Uh, on for for season one, I guess I'm saying, which we released. Oh, in the well, main season feed. one, yeah. Season one was a little wonky. Season two, yeah, made season one. Look like the Sopranos. Yes, but we were not even that high on season one. Correct. But what I'm so, saying is, in retrospect, yes, this is why in the Patreon we're going through Enterprise, which prior to New Trek was classically thought of as the worst Enter- uh, Star Trek series, and we're not like, this close. is delightful. <laughs> not even close. Look at the characters and the plots wrap up, and they uh. seem to have some interesting choices and. Uh, like we're like this is great but good god i hope i hope you know i'm just gonna end it like red ends that speech in shawshank Uh i hope and that's it (laughs) (laughs) um all right so this is the season this is the wrap-up so this actually what happened here in this episode was i uh was saying to andy all along am i crazy are we crazy is right. this good and we're crazy? Uh, we got. Can the fans write in? Can everybody in the patron write in and let us know if we're crazy? Yeah. So this is sort of that sort of wrap up. Yeah. Fan you, demanded, by the way. Patreon demanded that we do it. If you hear me yelling at uh, somebody named Bazaruski, um, <laughs> one of our one of our mainstays in the Patreon. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a big he's a big booster of new of 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 you know. Well, that's right. He loved it, right? That was our main yeah. point of contention. <laughs> yes. He loved it. And, uh, well, here, you'll hear what we think of it. All right. Or he was certainly Take more of a supporter away. of it than we were, just to clarify. True. Take it away, us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation bonus, bonus, bonus episode. What a day to be a patron. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm not sure what the result will be, or even that my assumption is correct. Well, we're all going to find out, because it's time for the results of Star Trek Picard Season 2. Guys, we're through it. We got there. Took us a while. uh, Andy and I have had one month to digest, almost to the day. Or forget. Um, Because remember that, like, season 10 of that season sorry season episode 10 of that aired and then season one of strange new worlds immediately started the same night and we were all we were swept away and it was like what how are we going to do this but we did it and we're here now to finally get through all those hails the 179 comments you guys left over on patreon uh i mean where's your head at andy now that we're a month away from it like when you look back on 
or remember back to season two of Picard, what what sticks out to you the most? I mean, one one thing that also we can uh, we can look back on is that now I I had not seen the TNG finale, right? Correct. So it certainly illuminates tonally what they're trying to bookend with the with the finale with Q. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that's certainly illuminated. I don't know that I concur with their conclusions about <laughs> <laughs> how it was bookended, but at least I see like oh they're kind of going for like that was this conclusion and then they're extending it further to have even more of a connection between Q and it was sort of ambivalent and open-ended in the previous one. And then this is more of one of closure. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also, it's still a little unclear too, like what happened. Well, this is where I, I feared in this wrap up. This is where I feel like I feared that, I don't know, just us as a podcast would not live up to what a podcast listener, a Trek fan podcast listener might want because um, obviously you don't necessarily listen to TNC. You listen for for takes as opposed to let's get into the nitty gritty and the details of every specific theory and what our theories are for the future and whatever. It's not really what we tend to do. You're telling these people what our podcast is? They know what our podcast is. Well, as a result, I guess I feel like (laughs) This being a wrap-up show, it would be like, so this is what we've learned. And I no, guess my take is the same as you. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell we no, learned. No, 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 no. You're thinking of this wrong. Think of this as okay, an individual hail bag because we had to jump into Strange New Worlds and we couldn't answer all the hails about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 10. Right. And, you know, but it's not really a hail bag because you didn't have to spend time on your own trudging through all of these comments. See, I find them to be a delight. I don't, you know, I wouldn't use the word trudging. I, you know. right, well, you just used totally right before we recorded. You said I'm going to use the word trudging, and <laughs> I'm going to lie about it as soon as we're on the air. And so here just it whatever, is. whatever He's a man on of his air word. Andy says, He's a don't man listen of his to word. him. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to confuse me like I'm one of Harry Mudd's androids. Um, so I, I was like, what is the what is what is what does the world think of Picard season two? Uh-huh. So I went over to Rotten Tomatoes just to see what the score was, and the audience score versus the uh, critic score is fascinating. So it's a eighty-five percent critics. So it is fresh, certified fresh. Really, that shocks me right there. And twenty-eight percent audience. This is season two, just season two. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, well, you know, I, I here's the thing though. I I feel like these critic re- reviews are really just probably the pilot or whatever the first two episodes they sent out, right? Which which the first were two good. Episodes were fine. Yeah, yeah. And then the audience is like, "Well, hang on, we just saw the rest of it." <laughs> That's a really good point, Matt. Yeah. Which is kind of a genius. Well, I don't know if you can make those first few episodes good. The que- it begs the question: Why don't you make them all good? <laughs> but well, I was um, like, but oh, it I does was like, certainly suggest like make those first few episodes good. Of course, 
I'm sorry. Let me, just to finish this one point. I, uh, th- the problem from our perspective as as creators and writers of shows is those episodes are usually the hardest ones to make good because they're the ones that have the most eyes on them and notes and interference. So, anyway. Yeah. Except when you're like, you know, in a second season. Well, that's also valid. However, sometimes there's more pressure on a second season because people feel like it's like this. This is clearly a very important franchise show that it was thought... I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong, the first season wasn't as satisfying as it should have been. And so there might have been even more attention on the second one to make it. But I don't know what the fucking politics are over there. For all we know, Kurtzman is just, you know, uh, a monarch. And even Paramount Plus doesn't, even Paramount doesn't have, and CBS don't have that many notes for him. Who knows? Although I don't think that's true. I believe that my sense is... That it gets, you know what? Let me ask my source. Okay. And now I will finish my thoughts on Rotten Tomatoes review. I apologize. That was a really long <laughs> run. That is okay. You're really, you're really trying to make excuses for fucking Star Trek Picard for some reason, which is like, fine. I get it. Sure. Hard. TV's hard. We all know that. Um, But if you look at each of the series of Star Trek, the highest rated series of Star Trek... Out of everything. Yeah. You have Deep Space Nine and Next Gen are 91%, both of them. But then you go up here, and guess what is 98%? Strange New Worlds. Yeah. You click on Strange New Worlds, and it's 91% critic, 81% audience. Which is only... 8% 8% less than TNG. Hmm. But Star Trek Prodigy yeah. is 93% fresh, 74% audience score. That's so the even, cartoon. Even closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all pretty they're all pretty close, except for Picard and Discovery. Right. Uh because Picard and Discovery both have very high ratings um, critic-wise, but then the audience score for Discovery is like 28%. Just like Picard. I know. But I was like, but I was like, is this, is this just Star Trek fans like carpet bombing the reviews? Yeah. So I looked at Strange New Worlds to see because they would hate all new Star Trek. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, no, it's not. That They gave it 83%. So. <sighs> Reviews. They're funny. You can't trust them. How do you, uh, what do you, how do you process that? Like, what going into it, what are you interpreting that to mean? Those figures. I'm not crazy. Uh-huh. That's well, I all. I, would, I don't know if I would take that conclusion from it. Matt. I'm not I mean, crazy that, in my in my Star Trek taste. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and I think that you know, among Star Trek fans, yeah, amongst people that watch Star Trek and would care enough to write a review on Rotten Tomatoes, not that I ever would, but you know, I'm looking for a consensus that isn't me. Yeah, you don't count because you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
You know, everybody's yeah. always asking me, well, you're still a Star Wars fan after the TNG finale. I don't know. I'm balancing it with Picard. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I am. It's hard to say, right? <laughs> I mean, look at like uh, the Mandalorian's like 91%. Oh, yeah. I'd be curious. Anyway, uh, Mandalorian on Rotten Tomatoes is, yeah, 93% critic, 91% audience. So that seems to be. Qu- say it again. 93 critic, is- critic, 91 audience. Interesting. I mean, why? I concur. It's a good show. Well, there you go. 87% for Obi Wan Kenobi. That surprises me. 59% audience. Ah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> Why? What is it about this that, that Obi-Wan do you not like? Um, oh, I'm curious now. You know, I don't want to I don't want to spoil things. It's not it's not terrible. It's fine. I don't know if you can really spoil something that happens in the middle of story. Like well, meaning like, you know, Obi-Wan's not going anywhere and neither is Darth cover. Vader. Look, here's my overall thing, and I got into an argument with another Star Wars fan friend about oh, it. Longtime Star Wars fan. What? You guys don't do that. Star Wars fans love each other. <laughs> and the general public. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that we're all toxic fans at this point. Not uh, Star Trek. We're still here. Give Untoxified. Me a They're toxic too. I disagree. I just think the people in charge are toxic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also possible. But uh, I would say that the the TNC fans aren't toxic. You're all beautiful and wonderful. Um, anyway, I was going to say uh, my issue to a large degree with Obi-Wan thus far is the same problem I had with Obi-Wan as a character in the prequels, which is you set up this Jedi uh, as an old man who's kind of a trickster and wise and all this stuff. And then you're going to him earlier in his Jedihood, and you make the strange story choice. And I understand why you would in terms of the mythology of the Jedi are these monk like people that are, you know, is just they're They're chaste and honorable and whatever. And it's sort of like, I mean, that's all well and good. That's not an interesting version of the character you've laid out. Like, let's see a guy who's like an old trickster. And then... So was the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi ever interesting to you? He was interesting to me in Star Wars. Hmm. I see, and not interesting to you in this current form of 10 years post Order 66. No. Hmm. And these Inquisitors, how do you feel with the Inquisitors? They're fine. I, uh, it's a weird thing. Did the Inquisitor thing... I that, like, I like did the that character that's been the... I'm going to have to look for the name now. You caught me off guard. What? Did that, did that come out of George Lucas? The Inquisitors? The, Inquisitors? the idea of Inquisitors? The idea of like a group? That's has to hunt down the Jedi's that didn't get killed in Order sixty six. I mean, you know, it came from expanded rebels. Ca- it came from rebels, expanded right? canon. It didn't come from the. But it came movies. from while Lucas was in charge. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's that was my question. Yes. Um. But uh. But like the uh, the new the new 
character, the third sis- sister, uh, Riva, mm-hmm. um, played by Moses Ingram, like that, that there's been a lot of furor because there's been, you know, racist commentary and whatnot. Uh, I honestly think she's very interesting. I think it's, they give that character bite. Ewan McGregor, obviously one of the most charming skilled actors that's ever lived. I just don't like the, they don't, they're not making a hard, they're like their decision with this Obi-Wan these are obviously mm-hmm. all Obi-Wan spoilers for the through the third episode, um, was to make him, um, you know, logically traumatized by what happened with Anakin. And yeah. so he's in hiding in a very self-tortured way. And so that makes sense character-wise, and it sets up an arc for the character. And I think what they're going for, honestly, is a little bit of you might almost argue a midnight run progression with like or or tone of like oh he's on the road he's got to do all this stuff but it doesn't really feel fun like in that direction and it doesn't feel satisfying dramatically in terms of a character that's tortured which i wouldn't really want to watch obi-wan do anyway i've been waiting for an obi-wan that's full power at the height of his powers enjoying his being kind of you a want, trickster you want star trek you want the fucking you want the clone wars you want the animated clone wars in real life you want that Obi-Wan you know Kenobi. if that's what the animated clone wars was then i gotta dig in i never really dug in because it was yes, it always, that's what that was but people power, people do Kenobi. seem happy with it and the people yeah, have tried to get me to watch it and nearly it. full power anakin having a great time being being cool jedi all right great then i'll check that's it what out. you're looking for then I guess maybe their perspective is, well, we already did that in Clone Wars and they were going to do something different and more epic here. But uh, I don't know. It's like the you know when they did the bringing Luke back and he's like this badass version, um, then I love that. I know that there were issues with the deep fake stuff, but uh, with the face stuff. But uh, I love that idea. It's like, yeah, that's what I want to watch. Great. <laughs> It's interesting that they wouldn't recast that and they just would like just try to wonkily CG it. I they have the technology. I I would we already talked about this on the show already. I don't understand what the issue was. <laughs> they have the technology. Well, you know, they've got money to spend elsewhere. Anyway, Hayden Hayden Christensen isn't cheap and uh you know they got to pull James Earl Jones out of that. Oh, why? Why wouldn't they recast Hayden Christensen? Was that what you're? No, no. Was? Why wouldn't they recast Mark Hamill? Right. Well, I feel because like they've that. already done it with Han. Like, I mean, it's like so you did it already. So just do it. I mean, that's fair, but I also feel like you didn't need to. But like, well, no, you didn't need to. But then, like, I guess this. I don't know how this Picard episode turned into this, but whatever. you asked lots of Star Wars questions. Guys, I like Star Wars. We were talking about the ratings, uh, the the tomato. Anyway, tomatoes are great. Uh, Riker burns them sometimes. What is the Rotten Tomatoes rating on tomatoes? That's a good question. Fried green tomatoes? Let's look it up. (laughs) That's not count. That doesn't count. I'm saying for actual tomatoes. (laughs) Nope. Closest I can give you is fried green tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes. Hang on. I gotta look it up. I gotta I a lot ask, of I didn't ask for this thing you're giving me. 
Uh, fried green tomato, seventy-five percent fresh, ninety-one percent audience score. Jesus Christ, ninety-seven. No, ninety-one percent, seventy-five percent, and ninety-one percent. Oh, I see. That makes more sense. Uh, all right. Now that that's out of the way, that's your rotten tomato section of the podcast. <laughs> You wanted um, your Picard wrap-up. Here you go. <laughs> let's just dive in on these comments because a lot of shared sentiment from me and and others and some interesting thoughts also regarding how the finale played out for people. Yeah. Uh, so as I uh, scroll through here, stop me if you've heard it before, everybody, but uh, fucking Bazaruski could not shut up about it. Here he is again. <laughs> Uh, obviously wrote I'm sure you're all very shocked to hear this but I enjoyed this episode very very much it wasn't perfect but I liked it a lot now a lot of people did like this last episode taken as its own episode which yeah I get but it was also like so crammed in I mean I didn't I don't know that I had a problem with it being crammed in I did because I wasted so much time elsewhere. Uh, throughout the uh, throughout the, the series, season, throughout yeah. the series, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, but I like it moved along at least. I I think it's as always. My issues are what they spent. You know, it's like I don't. The, I don't. Uh, Rio shooting down some drones. This is what I I we've been building to. Like that's my main. <laughs> that's more of Rio, my concern. Rio's playing Atari. Um, That's what you always wanted. And obviously, when you ask me, like, what are the things that stick with me? The main thing that sticks with me is that scene with Picard and Q. But uh, Uh, as far as like that, that to you, you think that's your most satisfying scene? Which I'm not saying that's my most satisfying scene. I'm saying that's the scene that stuck with me the most. Sam was the most satisfying scene then, besides obviously Rios shooting down those drones in the whole season series in the whole season. Uh, good question. I mean, it definitely would be in those first few episodes. Um, mm. I think I really liked Seven intelligently faking her way through being president of a totalitarian regime. I mean, it didn't really work, did it? <sighs> well, she, she failed made, miserably. She made as many smart choices as she could when she had I mean, liter- she virtually no information. She so. seemingly only made it half a day. Although I guess that ceremony of... was at night. The culling was at night. So she made it a full day. Yeah. She woke up in the morning. She no was doing implants. some pretty... If she had been left alone to her own devices, I think she could have lasted longer. She only ceased to <laughs> last that long because she start, was started to fucking basically do a bunch of insane things for the president. To she be had no implants, Borg implants, and then they end the season by giving her back the same exact Borg implants. Uh-huh. That was real dumb. Well, she was going back to the same timeline where she had the Borg implants. Yeah, but the wasn't why it was done what do you mean it was done to save her it wasn't done to put her back in the timeline because if oh that's right that's right if what's her face cared about the timeline then you know what i mean (laughs) right but she would have had them anyway even if they sent her back to the present right no i don't know because that was unclear that was very that was a stupid thing that was the other thing was that they is like q was presenting it as uh, this is where I feel bad that it's just sort of like we don't have the answers. Uh, the 
the Q said, I got one more surprise for you, and the surprise, I assume, was Elnor being alive. Yes, because he had enough juice to bring Elnor back from the dead. But that, because, to me, is because still Because Rios decided to stay home. But that, to me, is still confusing, because it's like, well, why would he have been dead if they were going back to the present? I, I couldn't tell you. That's the thing that... That's the the type also, of question. Also, I, by the way, by. yeah, maybe Q didn't do it, and he just lied about it. <laughs> well, that that's a Q that I would like, just like because that's, that's like well, it's presented like it's presented like he's on the Excelsior, like he always was on the Excelsior, right? You know, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Whatever. I mean, by the same token, Q might have not been involved in this at all. But that's the thing; it's unclear. Which is a classic Q move. It's unclear what that what what the hell happened. It's funny that it's the same kind of issue that we had questions about in the finale. But at least the finale answered the questions in the extended. I mean, it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like you know, the larger thing the of like finale, but it's the larger problem. Yeah. With, with all good things is that well if he wasn't jumping around through time he wouldn't have created that anomaly in the first place and he's only jumping around in time because Q is sending him back and forth through time to test him that's the all good well that's the thing. Q the Q continuum testing him and then he is stepping in to give him a shot I see is okay. I, the way I believe it's presented at the end of Great. All Good Things. Well, at least that has a beginning, middle, and end. What's unclear is how Picard wakes up in the dystopian future. It is unclear. I'm assuming yeah. it's Q that sent him back. But that's not what happens. Like, there's a warp core breach, and then Q happens to show up. You mean it's not specified? Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't he? What does he say in that last scene? Doesn't he? Is he basically implying the same? Isn't it the same as the shortened version of the TNG finale, where he's basically implying his his involvement in this in this in everything that's happened this season? But like, we don't see that. We see the character also like trying to get Rene Picard not to go on the mission. I almost called it a motion because it was a m- going to the moon of Europa. A, it's a mishmash of plot. <laughs> motion. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good point. What about that? Well, I think that they didn't they didn't know that until they didn't decide that until the end. That he was acting for Picard's benefit. Yes. No. Why would he give? Why would he give the cure to fucking Soong? This is always the this is always the the way that you and I these things play out, which is you say something that implies they have had no idea what was going on from beginning to end, and I go, well, they had to have some idea what was going on from beginning to end, and you but tell me I'm crazy for assuming. <laughs> we watch it time and time again, and they have yet to illustrate that they do know what's happening. So you're suggesting uh, my supposition is that they started uh, writing this show. They yes. essentially shot the episodes with Q being involved somehow. Then in the middle, 
they decided, well, let's have Q kind of messing around as though he's working against Picard. And then at the end, they were like, eh, let's imply that he actually was trying to help him the whole time. And that there's no connecting the dots at all. I didn't see any, did you? I mean, no, but I always assume that that's something that I'm missing. Like that there that there is some secret. I need you to go hit Picard with your Tesla. Like, why does he tell Dr. Sung to go kill Picard? Hmm. <laughs> like, it's just like, all of that stuff is like, well, you're just, that's just red herring bullshit. Now I'm, now I'm more disturbed than I was when we started this podcast. That's how we like you to leave every episode of the next conversation. All right, so uh, Bazaruski likes it a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no surprise there. Uh, Sam Fat Pal Child, uh, in regards to the end, just to give these people their say, uh, sure. says, I'll be honest, the last two scenes with Q, I cried. It got me, and I don't even know why. Anyways, on to season three. Because you're watching two characters play themselves, the characters that you knew? Essentially. For the first time in the series, you're watching that happen. It's good performances. There's no getting away from that. I agree. It's meaningful. You're seeing these two characters reunited in some form of what you would want with him returning. This is the craziest thing to me. And this is, to me, undeniable. Like, it's not up for debate. Why wasn't there more Q this season? It wasn't like John Delancey is too old and can't handle it. They didn't know what they were doing with the character. That's why. I understand. That's why I think. That's but why I think. I guess I just don't understand. Like, you knew what you had on your hands, or you wouldn't have, um, you wouldn't have marketed the film the way that you marketed it, where it's Q is fucking coming back. I think so. Why wouldn't you put more Q in it? Why I wouldn't you weave I him think, into the plot? Well, maybe, like you said, budget, you know? They had to no, put it all in what? Los Angeles. Maybe they couldn't afford to pay Delancey for every episode. That's, that's reasonable. That might be possible. Although, I really have to assume... I don't know. Again, if your money's on Q... If, but I think that, that was up to the marketing people how they were going to market the show. Well, get the fucking marketing people involved in it, then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Andrew Re- Red, sorry, Andrew Red writes, uh, why do they wait 19 episodes to tell a story on this show? I mean, according to Matt, question. they didn't think of it until the, the uh, they didn't the come end. up with a story until the end. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this exchange between Andy the astrophysicist and Alex Borsier is, uh, really out of this world and in the best way possible. And I will read. Alex Borsier says, I, the traveler, actually felt like a self-aware thumb in the eye to the viewer, and I liked Wesley. Andy, the astrophysicist, replied, my kid hasn't seen the traveler episodes yet, so he thought Will Wheaton was playing some kind of fourth wall breaking version of himself from the ready room. Alex Borsier replies, honestly, he kind of was. I agree with all those things. <laughs> yes, I do too. It's, it's like just a beautiful exchange uh, summarizing all of my feelings about that Will Wheaton thing. 
Which was strange. I mean, I guess theoretically, him becoming a traveler would have turned him into the ready room version of Will Wheaton. But uh, it, it was very odd. Do you mean that? Are you really? Do you really mean that? Or are you being facetious? I mean, I'm saying he's clearly a different tone of of yeah, Wesley yeah. than we last saw him. Yeah. So theoretically, he's been through a lot of shit. So. Uh-huh. I guess he could have ended up here, but it's very strange that energy-wise, he's exactly the same as he is on the Unready Room. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. It's so um, weird. And frankly, it also fits into, look, these are obviously all sour fan takes for me. I, I get it in terms of the Obi-Wan stuff and the Star Trek stuff, but it's like, I've always sort of been rooting for the Wesley character. Um, I think the basis is there for him to have been interesting from the beginning. I think many times he is. God, and if he, had, if he had flown in as a captain on a starship, that would have been so cool. It would have been so cool. But or even if he's the traveler, he's a traveler type, but he's just not um, like a Disneyfied, uh, you know, kind of like. I'm upbeat and kind of. I got a kind of some some uh, some cutesy things to say. If it wasn't that, but it was like I have a guy who's fucking seen the edges of the universe and I've seen some shit. And yes, I still can interact with you like a human. I'm not that Wait, far. So from you it. wanted Wesley to act like you and McGregor is playing Obi Wan Kenobi? Maybe I did. That's an interesting <laughs> question. But I mean, so this is what I'm going to say. Do you want to swap their performances? <laughs> No, because because the guy that Wesley is playing isn't a trickster. Right. He's just sort of a friendly guy. <laughs> uh, but yes, the thing I was going to say about like being a sour fan is I understand that I'm saying, I wanted them to be this. And it's like, well, they didn't do that. But it's like, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's sad. Is it sourness? A lot of you probably right now are listening and and, and yelling into your earphones. Yes, it is sourness. <laughs> uh, or is it honestly just confusion? Uh huh. Like how they arrive at these conclusions that are so wildly different from your own. I don't know. It's that have been through. Like, wow. I mean, this is where you get into the Kurtzman questions of it. That have been mm-hmm. through a lot of hands. You know, it's not, they didn't just throw it on TV. A lot of people pass, a lot of people had opinions. Um, uh, my source said, because I was asking about Kurtzman, and and does he listen to notes? Does he get notes? Uh, and my source says, he still gets notes from Paramount Plus at this point. How much he has to follow them is a mystery to me. Uh, so he's getting the notes as far I as I know notes are, from or... people that work on other Star Trek shows over there as far as I know the network notes are usually the good ones or rather I guess the studio notes are usually the good notes on the shows um, you know I think it varies depending on the executive Some no no I'm talking about in Star Trek specifically. Oh, in Star Trek world, yeah. Interesting. Yes, I'm talking about specifically in Star Trek, you're getting notes from two sides. You're getting notes from Paramount Plus and you're getting notes from Kurtzman's company. Interesting. 
All right, I'm just going to scroll through a little bit more here. Jeff Mullins, this show, replies to himself and writes, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Then he replies again, buckle up. Uh, MS33 Katie uh, shares a lot of the same sentiments as... um, as Sam Fat Pal Child regarding Q cried her eyes out. It's an amazing goodbye to an awesome character. Delancey's the man. Frederick Oa says he's the single greatest part of the season. Every time he's on screen, something was moving forward. But beyond that, he was menacing and engaging and fascinating. Every other actor was playing their role. John Delancey was Q. I agree with he that. He was great. He was great. He was great with very little, you know, little handed to him. Uh, Ben Plavin loves seeing Wesley and says it's going to bring up a whole lot of questions. And then he (laughs) replies, well, I guess it's a new comment. So all our enemies are friends now. This is like the mega happy ending from Wayne's World. (laughs) 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 That's pretty fair. That was funny. Uh, and then he writes, the countdown to launch was just weird. They were at 60 minutes. Then Sung poisons Talon. Talon finds Picard. The mission launches and Talon dies. Did I miss something? It did not feel like an hour went by. And then uh, Jason Randall writes, I think that's how long it takes a 95-year-old man to get down the stairs. <laughs> uh, Kamaraki, it's over. Cue the Ewok celebrating. I love the Ewoks celebrating. My favorite part is when they hit the uh, Stormtrooper helmets like they're different tone to drums. <laughs> makes no <laughs> sense, but sure. Uh, uh, Q is happy. Q and a happy Q is a dead Q, I guess. The whole storyline in 2024 was pointless because what Q wanted was all solved in a dream. Could have been a holodeck episode. Soong has no children, but has a great grandchild and eight ex-great-grandchildren to create a couple of rascal androids. The Traveler is a happy man to walk into a situation after his supervisor was murdered and her killer just went home. (laughs) Hey, Elnor! (laughs) Those covert ops people and that guy in the alley all got killed because of this ruse. Let's hug. (laughs) Oh, hey, Elnor, on the other ship. And finally, Agnes! Just say hello. Don't smash everyone's computer console like a big fat jerk. Take off your metal hat indoors like you have some goddamn manners. <laughs> P.S. Go to Butterfly Hell, Rios. What an amazing character arc in season one to a useless side character in season two with no purpose. Ugh, season three is about to melt my face if I see the bastardization to every other character. Jason Randall, you really let it all out there. And I'm glad to give you a voice. I agree with most of what you said. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy. Swing on through. Tony Rideout says, I only have four words. Dear Mother of God, I'm hoping that Strange New World is going to be the good pizza to cover up this really bad pizza called Star Trek Picard. It is. This was a while ago. So it was a month ago. Yeah. Um... Mike Bunakley says, there is no bad pizza. Now, he hasn't been listening to our podcast long enough. <laughs> We've had bad pizza. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Picard is yesterday's news. Strange New Worlds is my religion from Eric Peebles. May Pike be with you. I agree. Um, here's an <laughs> interesting... Very, his next comment is very funny. You want to read it? Go ahead. Yeah. I do have a question. How hard is it to envision the whole season based on the scripts? Would the sag in the middle part be apparent uh, when they read them, or does it flow better on the page than the screen? Can it be fixed when they start shooting, or is it a locked script at that point? <laughs> well... Here's the here's the deal. I don't know how they wrote this season of Star Trek. Certainly, it appears that they did not write it the before they started shooting. I guess there must be timelines and money that they have to. They're like racing to kind of keep the um, keep it move flowing, you know, Marvel style from one show and to the next show. But it it really is does a disservice to it's like the 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 advantage of the way television is structured now over the way that matt and i generally have experienced it is that you can write your season you can shoot your season you can make adjustments and do research shoots to perfect the story and you can finish your story figure out what it needs but as i said continuously throughout picard it and and through disco it feels much of the time like there's no communication between any of the writers that were sent off to script and then they are just like oh you did that with that character in that previous episode i guess we'll just have to write a scene kind of writing away what you did in the previous episode into this next episode it's like there seems to be no consistency of of overview and it certainly would be make it better and if you're writing a uh i would argue also as difficult as it is to write a non-serialized show on network television because of exactly what we're saying that you have to sort of guess where you're ending up and sort of have general directions that the show is probably going to go and then have to change things on the fly for it to be fully serialized but not really having the episodes written is so hard and it would explain why so much of this is so off base yeah yeah um all right go for it sure uh let's see lots of questions about the transwarp shieldy thingy being seen in real time from many light years apart uh, yeah andrew that is very dumb so correct there and back on the dumb train uh matt Tween writes about lots of lots lots of dumbs uh two things are immutable in the tnc i think he means tng timeline the borg are always the bad guys in q or immortal unless you count the voyager spoiler redacted uh and this quadrant annihilation thing just all of a sudden is visible and they have minutes to thwart its devastation okay then you do you trek writers okay about to start strange new worlds wish me luck <laughs> i hope you liked it uh all right spoiling some stuff i'm moving past that for you 
Uh, I can't believe I can, they did that. I can that. shut off my uh, head. I can take off my headset for a second if you want to talk to it. No, no, I'm just skipping the comments that have spoilers. It's okay, fine. It's fine, Andrew. Well, you sound annoyed when I, there's an easy solution, which is like, no, no, just I'm take annoyed it by the people for including spoilers no, on they, Andy's eyes. They know who reads these. They're pretty reasonable about it usually. Well, they, get your act together. They're actually insanely there's reasonable. There's a new daddy in, that, in town. They avoid the spoilers for one person, but uh, but whatever the case, continue. Uh, Feline Supplement seventeen oh one. I can't believe they actually just did that. I loved the episode. This episode, I loved an episode of Picard. Just when I thought I couldn't, it couldn't get any worse. They totally go and redeem themselves. I'm speechless. The Traveler, Wesley, and Corey need to be a show. Feline Supplement seventeen oh one. I want to tell you something. If they make the Traveler, Wesley, and Corey into a show, you will be watching that on your own. I can't abide by that. That would be a terrible show to watch. <laughs> All right. Regarding my last hail to you, you guys misunderstood when I said I would binge every episode after the season ends. I meant that I would binge every episode of the Red Letter Media Reviews to watch Mike uh, tear it apart. There's absolutely no chance that I would watch the season of Picard again. If I was ever crazy enough, I think I could... Uh, I think all I could stomach would be the first and last episode of the season and maybe that episode with Riker and Troy from season one. Also, it's funny that I use an example of the face cloaking device that hides her Romulan ears because the season finale directly contradicts the eight-hour cooldown when she goes and swaps faces with Renee. That device would be really handy. Yeah, but it has an eight-hour cooldown, so it won't be handy at all. Two episodes later, it's super handy and does exactly the thing that she needs to do. Look, we got into the cooldown period for so long. Uh, Red Letter Media speaks for many of us. As far as all the plot holes, I stopped trying to make sense of the season, just like the writers did, which is all, uh, fair. Uh, then there's a lot of discuss about the face cloak slash ears and the cooldown period, which we've all just I've just we've just I've abandoned that as a problem because I just will turn myself inside out worrying about problems that no one else is worried about. <laughs> okay. Great. Phoebe Phillips calls Wesley a time lord, which is accurate, I guess. And John Zaitz quotes data from the end of the first season. I don't remember that. <sighs> Star Trek ADR, the other conversation. That's very funny. There was so much ADR in this thing. And then the discussion in this podcast about trauma being the default mode of New Trek reminded me of this article, The Case Against the Trauma Plot from The New Yorker. Well, if it's in The New Yorker, that makes Andy and I sound real smart. Fiction writers love it. Filmmakers can't resist it, but... Does this trope deepen characters or flatten them into a set of symptoms? Here, here, there, there. It's how do we feel like Strange New Worlds is doing with that? Not the I told trauma you how it was doing. Not the trauma issue as so much as um 
Look, Trek at his best is takes a theme and makes makes an allegory, sort of science fiction allegory, and sort of makes its point on the modern era in a way that's sort of either digestible or turns a new perspective on it. And the trauma plots tend to take allegory and make it literal. And I understand that there's the Pike stuff in Strange New Worlds, and I guess a couple of them have traumas that they're dealing with. It just feels like overall the thing driving it's not the, the show, character. Huh? The character is not solely consumed by the trauma. Right. In nor Strange in the, nor World, the other one. the difference. And the thematic elements are. This is the other thing. I feel like in Discovery and Picard, the trauma is the theme always. Whereas yeah. in Strange New Worlds, the theme is something else, and then the trauma is the traumas are stuff that is sort of uh, you know, coloring the characters. Yes, it's adding dimension to the character when it's not the only thing the character is focused on. Right. Right. Yeah. That's why Discovery works less so than strange new worlds right but more than picard where it's the whole thing yes correct anyway mr and miss ultimate trekkers says next season the borg the rymans the cardassians join picard's bowling team <laughs> and give a specific quote to from mrs the ultimate trekker which is very generous of you <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skimming here, scrolling down. There's 179 of you beautiful people commenting. And I uh, want to just bounce around and give enough people their due here. Neil Studd likes to think that there's an alternate universe where I continued doing After Trek and therefore I showed up as the Traveler at the end of this episode. <laughs> Matt, funny. are you a Traveler? Is that what it means? The people who do the After Shows on Trek become Travelers? <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, oh. I don't know what I'm doing in this timeline. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast should be doing better. Uh, Mike Bunackley also is the, enjoyed the uh, Q hug and Wesley being a nice surprise. It's funny that he was shilling for the show for so long and they finally gave him that role. Uh, let's see. Lieutenant Lucas. I hope the writers left Rios in the past because the actor wanted out, not because they didn't know what to do with the character. That's, I hope so too. Uh, I wonder what drives that. Because it seems like the character had potential and was like oh sort of a God, favorite. God, I of wanted many him to be a fucking Latino cigar chomping starship captain. It was going to be so cool. Yeah. And they left him in. To die in a bar fight. <laughs> it must have been. Off some... screen. Oh, maybe I can get information on that. <laughs> what is your, what does your, what department does your source work? I in? can't say that because then I'm, uh, I'm revealing my source. Your source is Alex Kurtzman, isn't it? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Just it. A, I knew it. That's why he couldn't say. A self-hating Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> Alex Kurtzman doesn't know what he's I, doing. This Actually, is all his I fault. I don't if really he know thought what about doing. this more, it's all my fault. 
Uh, kind of sucks that Rios decides to stay in the past for selfish reasons, and therefore Elnor gets resurrected in the future as an afterthought because there's extra energy. Wouldn't it be more compelling if to let Rios know that that was the trade-off and to have a selfless component to his decision? Andy, the astrophysicist, that would have helped tremendously. That really would have helped tremendously. That is a good thought, Andrew, the astrophysicist. Man. Joe List writes, I don't understand Talon at all. I think they really messed up not having Guinan as the sole alien on Earth helping them, helping the team roll so that she could have had a transporter and she could have been monitoring Renee. The fact that they didn't explain why she is also Laris baffles me. <laughs> That is again. That is uh, that's to me. That's one of the things that supports your. I don't know if it's a theory so much as an observation that they they have no idea what they're doing because it's just sort of like, all right, well, you're setting her up as someone who controls minds, which of course is another thing that's just like, well, she seems like she's really powerful. So for someone who is later has to pretend to be someone and die in order to stop something from happening, Um, but that you have that. And then it doesn't tie in in any other way than she's like, she's her ancestor, but it's, it's like, why, why did you do this? (laughs) Real weird. (laughs) Again, I've, I've, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to do with this show. Again, I, I post the eight hour cooldown mind-bending problem yeah i've had to accept a lot of things in star trek that i don't necessarily like and i feel better about it i feel better about myself and about star trek see i maintain i agree with you that if if you wanted to go full guns on on strange new worlds just nitpicking then you probably could find a a, a substantial amount of things but i oh, don't sure. i think you would canonical be... things that the ship can't do and the size of the ship and i'll you know i could go drive myself crazy doing that yeah but do i you feel I'm like you like... would find it as many yes as many as picard i guess what i'm asking is just anachronisms with the timeline yes the question of are you enjoying strange new worlds more Absolutely. because you've been beaten down or are yes. you enjoying Strange New Worlds because it is just a better show? I think it's both. I think it is a better show. Uh-huh. And I have been beaten down. Do you think if you hadn't been beaten down, like where would your Rotten Tomatoes no, score go? <laughs> I, think it, I think it would st- stay pretty much where it's at because it is what I wanted from Star Trek. Right. It is a story every week, different story. And a beginning, middle, and end, and characters that are characters. Right. Not caricatures. Right. Like, can you believe that, like, fucking, that last episode of Discovery, they just decided to send Mary Wiseman off for nine episodes? Yeah. And fuck, like, why? Why would you take the character, the only character anyone seems to have a good time with, <laughs> and send them off? Anyway. I got, I got a hot, uh, I got a hot thing right off the presses. Go. Um. The uh, the reason Rios was yes, left, left in the past is because the TNG cast members were so expensive for season three. 
they couldn't keep the Picard cast and the TNG cast for season three. Guess who the only Picard cast member is you will be seeing in season three? The only Picard cast member I will be seeing in season three the is? Re- new re- you know, the, of the recurring cast. Actually, I there, honestly, there's, there's I two. I honestly hope it's um, So if you guys don't Raffy. want to hear this. I hope if, it's Raffy. If you don't want to hear this, then uh, then tune out for the next uh, the next few few seconds. I hope it's Raffy because I would like to see her interacting with Riker as far as like how the number ones get along. That would be an interesting dynamic to me. Mm-hmm. And it will be seven of nine because she's the only other marketable person. You're correct on both yeah. accounts. But that's surprising to me that they're not keeping even Gerardi. But I guess it doesn't make any sense. Well, Gerardi you can't keep. Shit. She's a fucking Borgified. I don't know. That didn't stop the, stop them from bringing in the Borg Queen as a regular all season. <laughs> yeah, but like no one wants to look at that. <laughs> no, who says that about this? It's the same thing, except that's a, someone who's been. It's it's the Borg Queen merged with a. Yeah, but like the the terrible makeup job they did, you knew that wasn't a permanent thing. Like, that was like, uh, I guess it's okay. Go ahead. We're only going to see her once. <laughs> like, she uh, looked like a she looked like a Teletubby. Like, her face was so, like, cherubic and round, and then, like, this hard line. I just feel like they didn't go, they only went halfway. They should have had her sing the Teletubby song, and then. Yeah. I think that the, the anomaly should have been that baby laughing as the sun. Just a giant, <laughs> giant laughing baby. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they didn't go crazy enough. They should have gone full bonkers anime ending. <laughs> like, just metaphorical. Like, <laughs> All right, Bazaruski, here we go. This is a good example of a TNC episode where the nitpicks uh, I didn't actually agree with, and I think that's influencing the reactions to the show. One example is, and call me uh, uh, on this if I'm wrong. It was never stated that the neurotoxin would only work on humans. Romulans and Vulcans are a spinoff, and Spock tells us that Vulcans and humans are close enough to be able to produce a viable child. So it's completely fair that a neurotoxin that impacts humans would also impact Romulans. It is fair, but... It also isn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have a geneticist who's solely focused on the human genome that is designing this thing, uh-huh. that is trying to make a deadly thing for humans and knows the human genome in and out, inside and out, and is going to make something that I think, uh, unless dialogue states it, uh, shouldn't be fatal to Vulcans or Romulus. That's all, uh, Bazaruski. I think you know. I think it's a it's a fair defense for someone who is enjoying the show. More, of my question is why you're enjoying the show. <laughs> it is a fair defense, and you're right. It shouldn't bother me, but it did because, I mean, Christ, look back at McCoy. Like, never he, McCoy didn't even know if he could fucking help Spock with like headaches. Like he was like, I don't know Vulcan anatomy. It's so wildly different. Anyway, that's beside the point. Bazarski again writes, the deleted scene with the Wesley is deleted, uh, therefore it's not canon. Yeah, I know. 
Wesley Storypath changed since in canon. We didn't have anything after TNG for him. I think this is a better result than him as the engineer on the Titan, since that doesn't really make sense with where they left off Garrick. That's true. It doesn't make sense where they left Garrick off. To be fair, Wesley is in the actual film Star Trek Nemesis sitting at the head table in a dress uniform with the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grade. I didn't remember that at all. But I don't really remember him in that, that movie at all, so... Well, Bazaruski, Jorgen Peterson came in and schooled your ass. He was canonically a fucking Lieutenant Junior Grade <laughs> in Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that either. <laughs> That's essentially like you're you're coming back to the Wesley character to make him the character, the Picard when he was a lieutenant junior grade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, don't do that. <laughs> uh, when uh, when Andy referred to Seven and Raffi as Thelma and Louise, I'd like to believe that I'm the reason that the idea was planted in his head in the first place. That's right, possible. I like those characters. What's Matt's tongue-in-cheek reaction to my hail? With that reference, you may recall. He wants credit for his Thelma and Louise. You'll get credit because you said it in a hail and... Andy and I absorb things and don't know where the fuck they come from, so don't worry about it. As they say in the industry, no skin off my dick. <laughs> I've never heard that. They just made it up now. <laughs> or maybe Bazaruski commented that six months That's ago. Possible. Now in my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh Oh, and Vazaruski has done a lot of legwork to work out this thing in his head for the plot of this uh, show he likes a lot. Look at all those dead butterfly timey wiring problems. Is the way I understood it, the travelers and watchers uh, is that there's key points in time that can be changed, or the whole universe goes to hell. It can't be changed. Yeah, which is fixed points in time from Doctor Who. Specialized people dying count as unimportant, and it sucks for them and their families, but I think the show leaves Renee pollution cleaning life form kept Sung from being the savior that sent Earth. That's key. Okay, sure. Do you buy that? I'm not sure what he's saying here. Uh, I don't know. He's looking to fill plot holes about butterfly effects which you know in time travel stories is just you're always going to have them and it's hard to write around all of them and I will continue Uh, so let's see here where do I need to go Jeffrey's hologram would be cooler if Corey had two outside sources trying to influence her down different paths and we find out that one is Q and the other is a traveler. Well, Jeffrey's hologram, that would have been cool, except that Q was really the whole time working for Picard. (laughs) (laughs) Or so they tell us. Yeah. Katie Campbell. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I know it was blatant fan service, and I know this makes me basic as fuck, but I love seeing... Uh, Will and yelled out loud when he appeared as far as my headcanon goes. It doesn't necessarily erase this time Titan timeline because he has powers over the very fabric of the universe. He can do the Starfleet thing and his stitch in time saves 
ps9 thing as a traveler hell he'll basically he's basically dr manhattan he could be initiating docking procedures with ashley judd after the wedding reception while sim- simultaneously sending Corey a linkedin request to join up with the travelers i mean certainly <laughs> that is a uh that's a reasonable logic explanation it's just a question of story wise why why are you doing certain things with that character but um you know people like to see i don't and as i've said before i have no problem with any manner of fan service i just want people to do satisfying extrapolations for our benefit that's all and to me that wasn't that wasn't a satisfying extrapolation that was just a cramming in of a character and if you're sitting there with a season like okay we got a season the truth is you know you got will wheaton for the after show you probably could put him in as many episodes as you want oh i think you can't because i think it'd be impossible for him not to spoil things Oh, well that's a separate that's a separate logic issue that I'm not going to get into. But whatever the case, I feel like just write to his appearance better. Don't just cram him in as a traveler appearance. Take Corey to be another traveler that's only going to be difficult to work her into a story later that's logical. I guess they were trying to give the character a happy Which character? ending. Who's the character? Corey. Which character? A happy see, ending. Okay. And so it's like, well, she'll go off with Wesley. We all like Wesley. We'll make her basically omnipotent. So it's like, well, that's a, a fun thing for this character that's been cooped up their whole lives. So I guess that's the intention. But it's like, I don't know. We've been watching that character a whole season now. It'd be better if you landed it in a way that was seemed cohesive to something you had built up. <laughs> As opposed to a uh, an ex machina appearance that uh, Andy starts to get some guff from Andrew Brenneman, and then everybody jumps to Andy's defense here. Ooh, exciting! Andy Andrew Brenneman says, "I mean, it's kind of screwed up that Andy spoiled Doctor Strange during his vamp, and I never hear the vamp, so I don't know what they were talking about." And then everyone's like, "No, ding dong! He just said that he was at the premiere and he saw Haley Atwell." And uh, they locked eyes. That's all. And you know what? She's in the Marvel Universe family. Of course she'd be invited to the premiere. I did see a lot of people there. Everyone defends Andy. Thank you, guys. Congratulations, Andy. Um, You did not spoil it. I did try and stay careful. but uh, And classy. But I also... this. Reading this may have turned it into a spoiler, but it's whatever. It's out at this point. I, I feel bad. <laughs> I love your I love your whatever it's out at this point where the movie's been out for one month, but we dance around Voyager spoilers. Like <laughs> I'm I'm not I don't I think we shouldn't have read any of this, but uh Oh, I just wanted to say that someone said you spoiled something and then everyone else like, No, he didn't spoil anything. Well, whatever the I case. I should have just said it like that. That's how I should have said it then. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have even built on it. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter. Stop spoiling things. It's a multiverse. Everyone's in it. Have a great time. 
<laughs> That's all. Uh, looking forward to rewatching the season, Tom Bondurant says. This episode in particular, some really good moments with Q. I can rationalize the Stargazer, Guinan, what have you, but that's not how security works. You don't just get escorted around a launch bay by a sweet, well-meaning, apparently unarmed person and then ditch her when they say, what the good day, sir, to go murder an astronaut. Bazaruski <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't defend it. The quarantine thing was the, that was the killer, everybody. They're in quarantine. No one's getting in there. I don't care how much money you fucking donated to the government program. It really felt like such rushed writing. Oh my God. It was so dumb. Uh, Kobayashi Maru. So the return of Wesley just basically a plot convenience to tie up the loose ends of the forgettable tertiary tertiary character. Definitely tracks for this show, I guess. (laughs) Thank you, Kobayashi Maru. Uh, well, I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys about it being a mess. I somehow found this episode more satisfying and enjoyable than all the other Picard episodes. Yeah, sure. Of course. That that was me filling in the middle there. I'm doing a weirdly almost Christopher Walken. Yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> I agree. This is from <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Tim Cicerano with the roller coaster. Oh, yes. Division. I love a block zone. Yeah, that's how so you can have multiple cars going on the coaster at the same time. Anyway, did anyone else notice that the Korg mixing surface for music production that Raffi was using to disable the drones? That really made me laugh. That's <laughs> so funny that that's what that was. Uh, that's funny. Um... Tom. Oh God! I love the Zach Wilson character. This comment about Raffy being the worst. Go, go ahead, read it. Long rant. Is Zaf is Raffy the worst regular in Star Trek history? <laughs> it's hard to think of anybody worse, other than being wildly emotional and angry. She doesn't have any real characterization, and in no way acts like a Starfleet officer or even a functioning adult most times. From a storytelling point of view, except for once in the first season when she talked her way out of the Borg cube, she hasn't done anything useful at all. She's the ultimate example of the current style of genre writing that's been nicknamed Squeecore. <laughs> that's fucking funny nickname. Uh, where the primary emphasis on the writing is to get uh, you from one moment where the audience will scream in recognition that something that they remember... And the characters are just there to get you there and have emotional, quote-unquote, moments that look and sound profound, but really aren't because there's no actual character to attach them to. The other core part of this style that is constant uh, is constant sarcastic quips, usually right before or after the cool moment of an episode, and usually in the, well, that just happened format, that takes you right out of whatever you're watching, whatever the emotion of the scene was. And from what I can tell, that's 80% of Raffi's non-freakout-related dialogue. She's not a character. She's a series of forced emotional scenes and trailer lines. <laughs> I think that's fair. That is, like, beautifully, beautifully surmised. And I thank you for it. Um, Interesting. Neelix and Rom... 
debate there. You'll see Rom. Don't worry, Andy. I've been worried about it. Justine well, Adamek says, Telling as Renee sees him and says, Picard, which real Renee wouldn't have done, Picard doesn't act surprised, so I assume that he knew it was Talon. Yes. That was my take, too. Oh, um, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I think I explained it to you during the episode, which was uh, an odd position to be in. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. Like, if I right. knew somebody else that was named Myra, like I met someone also named Myra, I'd be like, Myra! What do you mean? Oh. Like, it's not weird for somebody to yell out Picard. Like, if you saw another Secunda out there, I would you'd say be introduced Secunda. to another Secunda. If I was saying it as a bit, I would. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't think anything of it. That's funny. All right. Uh... This is pure speculation on my part here, but is it weird that there's a cosmic ending threat the moment after Q died? Could that be tied together? I mean, I'd like it to be. That'd be good writing, James Horner. Having an all-powerful entity dying would have some effect on something. And that whole, as the whole law that energy cannot be created or destroyed thing, who knows? Maybe I'm trying to write something that isn't there. No, you're writing something great. Uh, also, I would have liked it if the Confederates, if if it was the Confederation bodies, Picard's memories in Confederate Picard, Seven's memories in Anakin, wait, Sevy's memories in Anakin, <laughs> etc., that went back in time. So Q just transferred their thoughts to the alternate reality timeline. That way, Rios could still be in the show instead of dying off screen in a bar fight. So pretty much. Have a copy of Rios in the past from the dead timeline with Rios's memories, so he would have his happy ending moment, but also still exist. <laughs> First of all, I really like that's just clever, James, to tie in the death of a Q with that cosmic event. That's awesome. I like that a lot. And second of all, transferring memories, uh, whatever. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that if they wanted to do that, sure. But now that Andy's spilled the beans on budgetary reasons for, for sending him to die in a bar fight, well, I think we can all feel extra good about his character. <laughs> the thing is, you didn't need to keep him in the... I guess they were trying to give him a you happy didn't, ending. You didn't need to... No, Just happy ending is back around. on board a fucking beautiful starship that he's the captain of. And then bring him back when you need to bring him back. Especially because all the dialogue of his past in that episode is like how much he loved flying ships and being a Starfleet officer. Yeah. Since he was a little kid and his mother was an admiral. It's very strange. And also, with Star Trek canon being what it is, you just spent two seasons building up this character. Like, okay, you're going to be focusing on these other characters. Just have him be off working on some other adventure during that. And then if you want to bring him in on the the, the Seven spinoff or whatever the hell you're going to do. <laughs> it's going to be a crowded ship with Seven and all the whole... TNG but group. do you think no no it's just like you'll have it'll be like an episode where you have uh Roe and Guinan oh you think they're you know what I mean Ro. it'll be the seven plus two which is fine I can yeah. work around that I hope they bring back Roe 
I got news for you. They're not bringing back Roe. That's a shame. I've got other news for you. <laughs> They're not bringing back Roe ever. She's not in Deep Space Nine. I'm sorry. I think I knew that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just didn't want to get your hopes up because, you know, there's a lot of Bajorans on Deep Space Nine. And no, I know. I, I think that to... that was something that I couldn't, I couldn't help myself from being like, because I was like, oh, what if she is on Deep Space Nine? That'd be great. Like, just at some point. And I was like, I should probably resolve whether this is true or not. So I'm not disappointed later. <laughs> um, yeah, but the Rios thing is like, I don't know. I just much rather would have brought everybody I would. I wish. I wish she brought the kid and the doctor lady into the future. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jane Lindgren as the final high Q and limerick of the season for Picard. Andy, would you like to read them because you've read every single one, and I feel like it should continue. Sure. Uh, the limerick. The mission is safe. The future's returned. Everyone's wiser with all that they have learned. I, I run the, the rhythmic thing. Let me let me start over. The mission is safe. The future's returned. Everyone's wiser with all they, that they learned. Kind of screwed it up again. <laughs> we say some goodbyes and return to the skies. What's all this mean for next season? I'm a little concerned. <laughs> and then the haiku is haiku's ill-suited. For wrapping up the season. So, hugs all around. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of of really encapsulates how the writers felt also. I don't know. Everybody's happy. Bye! (laughs) Oh, boy. Finally, we got a a visit from another more here. This is one of the good eyesight ones. Cosmo Moore, Ron Moore, Roger Moore, a Josh Moore, Ronald D. Moore, a Joe Moore, I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moore. Carl Moore just mentioned, totally agrees with Matt about dropping out of warp thing. It really pisses me off every time they show a ship drop out of warp right next to a planet when it's been established in canon that they can't go warp inside of a solar system. In best of both worlds, even the Borg ship drops out of warp before entering the solar system. <laughs> so true. Uh, it kills me every time. And they all drop and stop on a dime. <laughs> Come on, guys. There's no, you're telling me there's no moment of inertia in space, even? Like, you drop out of faster than light speed, you're going to keep moving. I mean, I don't know the tech, but isn't there something that's sort of like you're, uh, some, you know, you're basically a built in, you're no longer in the warp bubble, so you stop short? Meaning, just you just grind to a halt. I mean, everybody, I even... everybody would be pancaked up a front in like at the front of the ship if that was the case. Aren't there things that sort of remove? There that are inertial dampers. There are inertial dampers. That's, yes, that's the only thing happening during warp is the inertial dampers. Well, when you're moving at warp, you're correct. You're not actually traveling. At you know, you're in a bubble of space. Yeah, that's propelling forward. Right. When you pop that bubble, you're still being propelled forward. That's why you slow to impulse. That's why they say slow to impulse. Uh-huh. 
It's gradual. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's slow it to impulse. Because we're not stopping on a dime. The only no. time the Enterprise ever stopped on a dime was when they crash landed on the planet and everybody flew forward <laughs> and war flipped over. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <sighs> the Wesley cameo felt tacked. This is from Positronic Brian. The Wesley cameo felt tacked on post the decision to bring back the original TNG cast next season. Sorry, Will, we don't have room for you on the ship. Here, have a scene that isn't needed and makes no sense. (laughs) Oh, Positronic Brian, that's very funny. Andre Bayou, senior Romanian on board, says, uh, has some some dialogue. Seven uh, says, uh, talent. Uh, you can just walk into quarant- quarantine, talent. They break quarantine on launch day. <laughs> um, excuse me? Why the fuck would they do that? It's like NASA is saying to the astronauts, you'll spend two weeks in quarantine so we can try and ensure you don't go into space with an Earth virus. And then and- we go straight to it's a sterile space capsule, right? Oh, no. Right before you launch, you'll let loose and you can do whatever you want. Even shake hands with a skeezy billionaire. Uh, that doesn't seem right. That last I'm the astronaut again. Mad. That was mad. <laughs> Um, what's crazy it was just a 10 hour quarantine that's called going to sleep says Jason Randall (laughs) (laughs) did anyone else pick up on the first contact movie theme playing at the end I did Commander Cody because they finally defeated the Borg (laughs) Jason Randall also said watch the season again and remember that it all takes place in three days it does? Apparently. Oh, God. When did Soon get those drones? Did they have next day delivery and installation in his area? Jason, that was Elliot Kingdon. And then Jason Randall says, how did he get from LA to Paris? By the way, I've LA, seen a few people talking hours. about these drones. Yeah. But they're established the first time we're at his house. Oh, are they? Yeah, those are the drones that project the the, the, the sun shield, shield around her for yeah. Corey. Yeah. That are also the same shield that's around the earth in the future. So the real all-purpose drones. They do it all, baby. He should have been a billionaire. I don't know why everything was hinged on this uh this geneticism. Yeah, by the way, if you could sell a lot of floating umbrellas, like I would take one on the golf course if you could block the sun and it would follow me. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Done. I'll stay in LA now. Now I know what to get you. <laughs> Just get you get me you get me that hat that's an umbrella. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same thing, right? <laughs> now, um, yeah, I guess so. Thanks. Uh let's see. Picard remembers the Borg bullet holes from his childhood. Okay. Picard puts the key where he'll find it, even though it will lead to his mom's death. Yes, that's true. Bergardi runs off to the Delta Quadrant, and then Picard acknowledges that it's been 400 years for her when they met on the Stargazer. Yeah. Rios and Teresa had their photos in 10 Forward Avenue all along. So that also suggests that that last thing is, and I think we already discussed this. So that's this is the grandfather paradox. This always happened. Is that the idea? Even in the TNG... That is the established. To, that is what they are establishing here with Guinan. 
right. having the pictures of Rios in the bar. That even on TNG, she, even in TNG, she knew Rios and had experienced this in that time. She would, she would have, yes. That's bonkers. I agree. <laughs> uh, so all the stomp butterflies didn't matter because that was the original timeline all along. But for the for that to be true, the Brigardi's Legion must go off and do their own thing in such a way as to not interfere with the Prime Borg so that Wolf 359 still happens, Annika still becomes seven, and Janeway still has all her dealings with the Borg before getting... Spoiler. Uh, but since this was always the original timeline, they had already been there doing that the whole time. The biggest problem I see is Guinan's memory of Time's Arrow, but y'all already touched on that. There was still an alternate Confederation timeline, which Q must have yanked them off to after Picard set the self-destruct. That's where the Borg Queen came from, and the La Serena they took to the Delta Quadrant, which might still have the ECH Elnor on it. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Good way to bring him back. Um, uh, my next one I was going to read is uh, is is uh, from Nacho. Did you uh, did you want to read anything before that? Uh, I just want to acknowledge Joel Aaron's talking about how grateful we should all be that there's so many series happening right now, uh, including the two cartoons and the live action stuff. Uh. And uh, he was anticipating Strange New Worlds. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek is not ruined. It's just not being made exclusively for you anymore. And once you realize it, as apparently Matt has, you can enjoy yourself so much more. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now go ahead to Nacho. <laughs> um, so Nacho says... Uh, I think this is the intended plot. <laughs> intended, intended. I love it. Of the season. Q introduced the Enterprise to the Borg on TNG to start the chain of events that leads to this event where an anomaly threatens the galaxy and the Federation and the Borg must work together to solve it because he has had a, he had a mission for Picard akin to the one uh, past Laris clone past Laris clone had for Renee. He has cared for and taught him all this time so that this event could take place and ended up loving him very much like past Laris clone loved Renee and prepared for him for this moment on each visit. He is the one who puts in motion everyone and every step of the plot on every side of the story. He changes the past to lure Picard to an era where his ancestor had a supervisor so uh, he can learn what their relationship really was and also to a moment that will help him heal his dead mom issues. But he also plants the dystopian future fantasy on Sung, so time has changed. And that changes lure the team to travel back and understand the importance of a single moment in time can, uh, importance a single moment in time can have. That change also produces the weakened Borg Queen for them to bring and fuse with Jurati. For the galaxy to be saved, there had to be a healed Picard ready to trust a Borg Queen, but also a Borg Queen ready to ask for him, for help to him specifically. And that only happens if he takes someone who admires him that much 
to the adventure and that he trusts this much. So all of Q's life in all of Star Trek has been a part of this plan, most of it. He also had some fun and problems of his own. As Gerardi says at the end, when everything is done and solved, this was the plan all along. Now, Nacho, if there was anyone else, I would assume you were being sarcastic when you said all this. But you being someone who generally is on the other side of, from us and is defending things, and I, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you did enjoy Picard, are you saying this all makes sense is the solution, you? I agree with you that this is uh, a theoretical thing that they are saying. I don't know if they've even thought it out as well as you have, but I, that they are saying they he, he had this plan all along. But does this add up to you? This is all doing backflips to fit the plot that has yeah. Q at the end hugging Picard to me. Yeah, I think that's what Nacho's doing. He's doing backflips to fill in the holes. And quite frankly, he's giving it more thought than the writers did. And I think that's exactly why he says, I think this is the intended plot of the season. Um, if Which that means is, this is what they tried to do, I think. If that is what they're leading to, that every Q conversation that we've seen in TNG was actually a setup for what happens in this series, then I'm even angrier. <laughs> I, look, I think this is Nacho's interpretation. I think he's right, though. I think that... No. Well, he's definitely... He's definitely... The, the, he's everything making that, it... He's doing a classic. It didn't make sense, so Nacho fixed it. Uh huh. Like that's what he's doing here. I, I mean, they definitely are saying that Q planned everything that happened in this season at the end of this season. Whether they they're going back to TNG, I don't know. God, I can't wait to see the premise for next year. Like, so also my question is, and this is this is an interesting question, and I you could ask or not. Do you think yes that Brent Spiner will be playing B4? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Do you think he'll be playing do you think he'll be playing B4 or Lore or uh -huh. will he just be playing Sung? Yeah. Adam Sung. Jesus, I hope he's not playing Adam Sung. That will be such a fucking downer. Look, minimally, I feel like they have to, if they're bringing back the whole cast, they have to bring in some version of Data, at least briefly. Now, whether that's they take B4 and they fill it with Data's consciousness, whether it's, I mean, By even Laura is like, a step closer. a character that could do that. I kind of would have no problem with them bringing Laura back. Um, Girardi, so... Huh? I guess it. You've written off Gerardi, so I guess it would have to be Sung. Uh, about who's the villain? No, 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 no. I mean, of how to get Brent Spiner in the show. And I'm saying you're written off Gerardi, so to be able to, to fire bring... up to fire up B four and put Data's consciousness into B four. Oh, I see. You know, like fix the neural pathways, which they could easily write to, because Data downloaded his entire memory into B four. Uh huh. 
and de- B4's pathways, you know, were slowly making sense of it. Oh, well, there you go. Because so you know be, that, like, you know that in the canon, in the, in the previously canon, sorry, Bezeriski, but they called this canon, the comic book that set up 2009 Star Trek, Data is the captain of the Enterprise E. Because okay. before, it all clicked finally in B4. Oh, really? Yeah, and, that's, and all, all Data's memories, it all, that was considered, essentially B4 was Data. That was considered canon? It was, yeah. Oh, wow. So, they could just do that and bring Data back, no problem. Which will be a fucking hilarious slap in the face to anyone who was vaguely emotional over the second death of Data. But... Hasn't the Picard series sort of? I mean, you're just saying that they that, they deactivated. That, he's in a drawer at the beginning of season one of Picard because they've put a stop to synths. Oh, I see. So they could just act reactivate him. Yeah, gotcha. Like it's right there. They've done the legwork. It's there. I mean, that all sounds fine. If I was in the writer's room there, I'd be like, just do this and bring him back. That all sounds well and good, Matt. But I guess my preference is we just see him in dream sequences, you know? We just kind of I wouldn't see mind if we saw him, by the way, I wouldn't mind if we saw him as an, e, an emergency medical hologram type thing. I would. If we had data on the ship as a hologram? I mean, I guess I it, wouldn't mind that. it's acceptable, but I why do that? Just... The, the whole reason you're doing this TNG cast is, all right, well, then why don't we give it back to the original show? So then for it to be like, but it's not the original show. It's these weird bastardizations of the characters. Of course it's going to be. They're not going to do any of these characters any justice. I don't know what makes you think that. I've seen what the Evans? show. What Evans? I've seen the previous two seasons. Respect of- the... Uh, <laughs> characters or look tone of the uh, prior shows i look forward to it i really do and i'm hopeful and uh yeah anyway continue i'm done no, no i meant with the comments oh amy gibbs says if this is the intended plot i'd like it and also was emotional by the cue of Picard scenes. A lot of people dug that scene, and I agree. Uh, Chris Klochner wants to go here. Inside baseball. And asks how it's shooting in the 21st century cheaper than shooting in the 25th century. That location shooting was much more expensive. Uh, they already built the... St- Stargazer Bridge, chock full of beautiful acutograms. Wouldn't it be... Well, honestly, Chris, I think the money they saved was solely in the effects budget. Yeah, I think he's right. Like, doing all those renderings of all these fucking space shots, these beautiful, like, I mean, and they don't do a half-ass. They do amazing exterior stuff with that spaceship. That's gotta be expensive. So that's, that's the math for you. David Sido says, the Wesley scene really felt like a post credit scene that was thrown in the middle of the finale for some reason. I think this is also a really good point because if you had put that as a Marvel-style post credit scene... Oh, a denouement. 
then I would have been, I would have swallowed it much easier. It was like, oh, oh that's cute. They threw it I in. I agree. But you put it in the middle and it's just sort of like, oh boy, is this going to set up something? Or how about this for the logical closeout of this character? And to Lieutenant Sidhu's point, you didn't need a wrap up of Corey. She already beat her father and walked away. So it totally would have been fine as a post credit sequence. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was reading ahead at Gary Canavan's second comment here. He says it would have been great if they cut this together into a four hour movie instead of this 10 hour bullshit. And he also says, I have to say, it's amazing that Wesley quit Starfleet in search of cosmic enlightenment and wound up running dispatch for another space police. <laughs> <laughs> it's very um, funny. Command Master Chief Robert Garrison also said, how come Echeb was allowed into Starfleet, but Seven wasn't? <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> Oh, that is, I gotta, why did no one else heart that? There, I'm, I'm giving it a like. That's so funny. Because they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. Ah. That's so funny. Two major villain storylines come to an end and both feel very Western society. Take on the solution. The eternal Q continuum dies out while humanity endures and the Borg end up being assimilated by humanity. No expert on in interstellar politics, but is no other non-Federation world or empire going to have an issue with the Borg joining the Federation? Good point. Uh, I'd love to see a pissed off Cisco roll in with like 17 defiance and just blows that thing out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, look, Jerry Canavan had the build on like, I couldn't believe the other ships went along with it. The Admiral, who was famously assimilated and betrayed by the Federation, says we shouldn't resist. Okay. Even on the Stargazer itself, no one thought Picard and Seven might be compromised. It's a really good point. It was it was a bit of a stretch. I the mean, whole the whole thing. thing is built on well, we all know and trust Picard, but it's like even Starfleet wouldn't trust Picard that fully. I mean, look, you know Picard. He'll just say some wonderful speech to the season one crew who should not trust this crazy captain <laughs> that he's yeah. shown himself to be so far. And everything will be all right. We'll go blow up on purpose. Uh... Chris Green would like the actors who played Girardi, Elnor, and Soji aren't coming back. Uh, sorry, I read that the actors. And of course, Rios. This feels like making space for the TNG crew, but also casting aside characters after making us invest in them. Chris, you nailed it. It's exactly what's happening. <laughs> also, he said, how do they stretch two episodes on getting into a party? And roughly 10 minutes on returning to their time, giving Seven a field commission, dealing with the galactic threat of the center of the quadrant, admitting the Borg as provisional members of the Federation, returning to Earth, summarizing Rios's life, and wrapping up Picard's love life. That's so funny. Two episodes on getting into a party. <laughs> uh, That's a good really point. Funny. 
Uh, for some way off here, but since the this is Gil Renberg, since the Borg Queen's cryptic statement about the two Renes takes up a lot of the characters and ours time, but doesn't really change anyone's actions or affect the outcome. Therefore, it wasn't necessary at all. <laughs> Isn't there a decent chance that one of the writers put it in because he or she was unconsciously channeling the recent Twin Peaks season three and its similarly cryptic statement about there being two Agent Coopers? <laughs> <laughs> Good tie-in. Uh, to succeed, there must be two Renes, one who lives, another who dies. And to succeed, see. there must be two Renes, one who lives, and another who dies. He's saying David Lynch is Jordan, Jordan, Gordon Cole. Uh, that's true. I did skip the the reader. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, find it impossible to suspend disbelief and buy into there being a NASA launch site somewhere in LA area just two years from now. The environmental impact statements associated with legal fights alone would take at least five years before any concrete would be poured. I would say I didn't have a problem with that because they do launch stuff from Edwards Air Force Base in California. So I was like, all right. Amy Gibbs says, I mean, say what you want about the season, but it did in the end bring us together. In it's what the fuckery. <laughs> <sighs> Nearest I can tell. This is another guess at the plot. The season two is Picard's inability to love leads to the destruction of Starfleet because he couldn't even envision that his old enemy meant him no harm. So he self-destructs the fleet. <laughs> Q doesn't want Picard dead. So he goes back in time and keeps his ancestor from going into space. This creates the alternate timeline. Oh, that's interesting. Q's doing it to prevent Picard's death. He knows the moment that the timeline would diverge, so he goes back and... St- I would like to have seen that version of the show. In other words, he saves the universe just to save Picard? Or he saves yes. that planet just yeah. to save Picard? I mean, that actually fits That's Q a better way to do tell the story. More as a as a character, because it, it, may, it like it's him making a decision about billions of lives just based on but i like this guy and therefore he's important to me personally (laughs) it's it's narcissism that is somehow played out as life-saving like life-saving to billions of people that he doesn't care about oh yeah yeah um that was from lieutenant patrick by the way but I do, that is a much, I would have liked to have seen that if like the first couple episodes, like you see the first episode as it was, Picard blows up the fleet. We see Q in, we see Q in the Q continuum seeing this and he's shocked. So he goes back in time and creates the alternate timeline. You know, I don't even have that as a problem as a, so cool. as a reveal at the end. I don't even have a problem with us not seeing it. Because then when it happened, when Picard finds out, you can have a, a classic Picard Q style thing of like, you did this to serve, just to serve your own need for me to survive. And Picard yeah. and Q's like, yes. And, uh, but it's still like, well, you did the right thing, but this is still messed up. And it's like Q's characterization <laughs> remains intact. Picard is pissed off with him, but also he's helped him. So Max Daniker says Doug Drexler, who's a designer of the the ships and does a lot of the effects for Star Trek, 
says that season three is a lot more like season season two's first two episodes you know with the stargazer and the future federation and all that stuff and then victor romero goes off of that this makes sense because according to what i heard the first couple of episodes were overseen by terry metallis but since season two and three were in production concurrently he had to focus on season three for the latter part of season two's production and because of that akiva goldsman saw oversaw the rest of this season <laughs> what i also heard is that akiva was running off to strange new worlds while terry did season three so let's hope that this is a good thing overall akiva goldsman is an older fan of trek having grown up with tos so hopefully his strengths are seen in strange new worlds while terry worked on voyager and enterprise and those first few episodes of season two of Picard were great so fingers crossed well let me tell you akiva has been fighting his fandom of Star Trek for so long, he finally seemingly embraced it on Strange New World. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to go next. Victor Romero says, in my mind, by far the best and most logical explanation is this. Q is dying. He's senile. This is why he thought changing Earth's past so that it would result in the Nazi future confederation, just so that his favorite human would go back in time to deal with the trauma of his dead mother, resulting in that said <laughs> human giving him a he- you know, hug before his death would be a good idea. You know what? Victor is right, and that's the only thing that fits that scene where he slaps Picard, and Picard's like, you're not well. Because oh, that's not really fully tied in either. It's just sort of like, what's going on with you? You know what I think? I think he made a bet with Corbin Burnson, right? <laughs> They're in the Q continuum. And uh-huh. he's like, you know, I bet you I can get Picard to hug me. And he's like, no way, Q. This is I've like seen a, what you do. This is like a God and Job thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and other Q's like, no, no, I think I can do it. And he's like, how are you going to do that? There's no way Picard's going to willingly hug you, Q. And then he's like, oh, just wait, Q. You'll see. I would also have forgiven everything if that was a post credit sequence. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to create an alternate timeline. You'd have to create some weird situation with a future, with a, with a past ancestor with the same name. Uh, we aren't supposed to understand that Borgatti took over the entire collective. This is from David Veenstra. She made her own small collective in the Alpha Quadrant of lonely people, and the collective is still borging around in the Delta Quadrant. I wonder if she got me and Andy. Were we assimilated by the Lonely Borg Collective? <laughs> <laughs> we certainly would be vulnerable to it. <laughs> Before they left, she pretty specifically said they were headed to the Delta Quadrant. They could have taken a left turn at Albuquerque, according to Jason Randall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We're almost at the end. This is amazing. Uh, So I got a survey from Paramount asking some pretty specific feedback about season two. Do they know it's a dumpster fire? Anyway, they asked for feedback, and they definitely received some from me. (laughs) It's from Anne McClendon. What sort of feedback were they looking for on a show that's already finished filming? I would assume they were pumping out more Trek in the coming years, if it makes the money. That's from... Lieutenant Neil Studd and Lieutenant Tess. And Lieutenant Rogers' insubordination mini-arc. <laughs> Three weeks ago, he's the last one to write into this into this uh, thread here. Watched this episode and thought it was all right. Listened to the pod and realized it was dumber than I imagined. It made perfect sense, but Matt broke it. I did have a thought, though. Was the reason that there needed to be 
a dead Renee to force Sung to turn completely evil rather than having one foot in each camp? Without that, there's no Khan, no eugenics war, and so no subsequent Federation. Certainly no Star Trek Two. 40th anniversary coming up. Um, yeah, that's what is that's your main question too like what is he doing with sung in this series uh no, I think my main my main question is why does it appear why does it appear that q is concurrently working against picard that's what i'm saying yeah but like even i mean also in the psychiatry office right like, why is he trying to get the thing to happen that he doesn't want to happen? And, uh, like, even if we go with Nachos, uh, putting aside the TNG part of it, then we go sort of the general thing. Of, like, he's doing everything to line up this the one thing at the end. It's like, all right, but that's kind of like, you know what? In the episode of The Simpsons that Leonard Nimoy is in. Monorail? <laughs> yes. And at the end... I th- I don't know I don't know what the the first line is but it's basically like he's he's basically saying you know um, he says well uh, you're all welcome for everything that I've done <laughs> and he's like what do you mean you didn't do anything you came in and you just did this and blah 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 you didn't you didn't do anything to help us and uh, and Leonard Nimoy goes didn't I and then they <laughs> transport him out you guys I'm sure all know the lines and I'm mangling better than I do that is what I feel like what people are justifying oh uh, for sure um, Q's dealings with this just <laughs> Q sort of is like, saying I was responsible for everything like, Q is you? saying didn't I <laughs> yeah well Andy Matt? we put her to bed we don't have to talk about Picard again until 2024 or something, right? Even though season three is already in the can. I don't know why we have to wait so long, but we do. Is that really true? I think so. Yeah. I'm, I mean, at this rate. Early 2023. Oh, okay. Well, then in six months, guys, <laughs> we'll be back talking about the show. So would that be? You'd have January, Strange New Worlds. Oh. oh, meaning like what in the order in which things are coming out, and then is it Disco wise? Season Five? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, it also could be like Lower Decks and Prodigy. Uh, yeah, but that, I don't think that they include the. Maybe they do. It doesn't say when that one's going to air. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll all see, Andy. Didn't I? Well, thank you all for your... Oh, this is interesting. Somebody tweeted, Data is dead, like thoroughly. They've killed him twice. Brent Spiner will be starring in Picard Season 3. Therefore, Brent Spiner will be either playing yet another Soong or Lore, if is the antagonist of Season 3. Let's hope it's B. And then the showrunner wrote, or C. Which is 
what I think. <laughs> Which showrunner? Terry Metalis. Terry Metalis. Um, C meaning data or hologram data? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who knows? I think a, a version of of data. I feel like it has to be a version of data. You, as I say, I understand that you you're saying they bastardize all of them, but you've already sort of brought spiner back in different versions that weren't a satisfying version i feel like it has to be some version of the satisfying version i don't know although i've been disproven on my it has to be before i love your optimism though it's endless you endlessly you endlessly think the best of people i think i would be the most if anybody wants to write me as this at some point, the most frustrated Vulcan. <laughs> I think my brain would constantly break as a Vulcan trying to assume logic on other people's motivations. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Why aren't they doing? But that's not the logical thing. I don't get it. That's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. That's what I would be like as a Vulcan. I would be instantly drummed out of <laughs> any Vulcan Federation. Vulcan Logic Academy. Uh, there's no. Uh, they've they've shown the bridge of that will be in the next year next year's episode next year's season. Doesn't look nice. And it's a redress of the Stargazer Bridge with some different L cards. Oh no! They're not even putting them on the Enterprise. Or well, the Enterprise, the Enterprise. I will say this: the Enterprise has replaceable bridge modules. It could be just a new bridge. All right. It also could be the Enterprise F. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. 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 What if it's the Pasteur? And the only one still still commissioned in Starfleet is is Crusher. <laughs> That'd be great. I have no problem with that. You you have a problem with that? I'd have no problem with that. Oh, thank God. I was worried that you would have a problem with that. It doesn't make any difference what my problem is. Do you are. have a problem with that? Don't have a problem with that. I have no problem. I have a problem with, with other things. There's so many things to have a problem with. I feel like we, we have most of those oh, <laughs> other okay. problems. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the hail bag. It's been one hour and 52 minutes. This hail bag brought to you mostly by me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. This is what it's like. We'll talk to you very soon. Godspeed. Disengage.